and welcome to QuickLink Podcast on Tuesday 20th April. On today's show, we've got a race report from today's second stage at Tour of the Alps and the 11th instalment of the A to Z of Road Racing Tactics by Jez Cox. But first, it's the day's shorts. Philippe Gilbert has announced he'll retire at the end of 2022 at the age of 40 after 14 years in the World Tour peloton. Veteran of 23 Grand Tour campaigns with stage wins in all three, Gilbert has 78 pro wins to his name, including the 2012 World Championships, Paris-Roubaix in 2019, and four of the five monuments just missing San Remo. Four days of Dunkirk, the six-day stage race on the calendar between the 4th and 9th of May, has been cancelled for a second year due to the ongoing Covid situation, with the local authorities, the same ones who postponed Paris-Roubaix, unwilling to let the race go ahead in the Nord-Pas-de-Calais region. The UCI have suspended the whole Vinny Zabu team for 30 days after their second doping positive in six months, following Matteo Sprayafrico at the Giro d'Italia last October and Matteo Di Bonis, who tested positive for EPO in February. We've gone over the details in previous shows, with the Di Bonis news breaking on episode 89, but Vinny Zabu self-suspended and withdrew their wildcard place at this year's Giro to make a statement. The UCI's ban is backdated to April 7th and runs out, coincidentally, two days before the Giro starts. Neither Sprayafico nor Dibonis have been sanctioned yet by the UCI, other than provisional suspensions. In Vietnam, Turong Thai Nguyen leads GC at the HTV Cup, with Van Na Nguyen of the Quan Ku 7 team winning stage 13. I think, think, there's nine to go. Before we head to the Alps, two shout-outs. Firstly to John Dibbon with his podcast with Andy Hargroves called Around the Athlete. They're six episodes in after interviews with Andy Tennant, Mark Adams, Francis Benali, Helen Wyman, Phil Hines and Eleanor Barker with next week's episode featuring Ben Tulett. Secondly, across the pond to the Slow Ride podcast. They need very little introduction as a roundtable show over seven years old. But if you like our sardonic, sarcastic sideways look at some of the pro news, you'll love them. They're an absolute hoot on Twitter too. They had me cackling with laughter a few times this week. So do give them a follow at the Slow Ride pod and tell them we sent you. And to Innsbruck in Austria for stage two at Tour of the Alps. Arguably the toughest profile of the five stages and the one most likely to shape GC come Sunday's finale. 121.5 kilometres were in store from Innsbruck to Feichten im Kornertal, mostly following the Inn River West before tackling the Pillar Sattel climb twice from different angles. 2,500 metres of climbing on the cards today and an uphill finish to boot. Felix Engelhardt of the local Tyrol KTM team was once again in the day's early break. He was joined by Morten Hulgard of UNOX, Matthias Vasek of Gazprom, Ruben Thompson of FDJ Continental, David Bias of Iello Cometa and Reinhard Janser van Rensberg of Kubeka Assos. Engelhardt took the day's intermediate sprint in Sills, adding six more points to his haul from yesterday. And the break was still clear of the bunch over the first climb by two and a half minutes, though Janser van Rensberg had been shed out the back. Thompson was first to crest the summit as the quintet headed back down to the bottom to come back up it from the other steeper side. That's where TV coverage picked up with about 40 kilometres to go. Thompson and Byers had just snuck off from the other three in the break, a gap of 20 seconds or so, which had extended to 30 at the base of the climb. Arkia Samsic were driving the pace at the front of the peloton, with Ineos amassed behind them. Gap between them and the leaders, 1 minute 25. 
Two and a half kilometres up the climb, Engelhart, de Vasek and Hulgard were caught, and then a thousand metres later, Thompson and Bias were gobbled up by that Arkea and Ineos train. Before Nairo Quintana burned his last lieutenant and launched an attack 4.8k from the summit. Ineos trio Sivakov, Martinez and Sosa hopped on his wheel, as did Bardet and Hindley from DSM, Hugh Carthy, Simon Yates, Jefferson Cepeda, Alexander Vlasov and a supporting cast all fancied a piece of the action themselves. Eventually it was Yates, Quintana, Carthy and Sivakov who opened up a gap 2k from the top, Yates doing all the donkey work as snow briefly started to fall, with Carthy and Quintana able to hold on to the bike exchange man's wheel as he was stomping on the pedals all the way up. After the 6th or 7th attack, Yates finally managed to shake Sivakov off his wheel, taking the summit 32 seconds ahead of Sivakov, Carthy and Quintana. As the road flattened out, Yates had 48 seconds, and Bardet and Bilbao had joined the Trace trio with a second group hot on their heels. And as Bardet briefly attacked, they all came together. With 5k to go, most of it an uphill drag, the chase group behind Yates was five strong, that's Sivakov, Vlasov, Sepeda, Dan Martin and Jai Hindley. And the gap was staying steady, and as the gradient clicked up over a notch, Sivakov accelerated off the front, and soon had 20 seconds over the other four. But there was no hauling back Simon Yates, who took the win for Team Bike Exchange, taking himself 10 bonus seconds and the race lead. 21 pro wins for Simon Yates now, and the first since the Tirreno Adriatico GC last year. Third win of 2021 for Bike Exchange after Cameron Mayer at the Australian Nationals and Esteban Chavez in Catalonia last week. Pavel Sivakov, second for Ineos Grenadiers at 41 seconds, with Dan Martin out sprinting Alexander Vlasov and Jefferson Cepeda to take third for Israel's Startup Nation. Hindley 6th, Carthy 7th, Schultz 8th, Bardet 9th, Guero 10th. Yates leads GC by 45 seconds from Sivakov, Dan Martin 3rd at 1 minute 04. Stage 3 tomorrow, 162km from Inst to Naturns. The Cat 2 Reshen climb right in the middle with a Cat 3 drag at Tarsh, 20k from home. Time for our weekly visit from pro commentator and cycling coach Jez Cox. We're up to the 11th episode in his A to Z of road racing tactics. So here's Jez with K. Hello everyone. We are at K. K for K-O-M or K-O-M hunting. King of the mountains. Dear young riders, I want to tell you a tale of years gone by. Come with me, if you will, to a time when... A cyclist headed out on their bicycle with a banana in their pocket, some squash in their bottle and a metal device on their wrist which had to be wound in order for the arms to tell the rider how late they would actually eventually get home. Having arrived home, there was no record or evidence that the ride had actually happened. Yes, I know. Breathe. That is, save for the sweat on the rider's forehead and their empty bottle. And breathe. I'm sorry if that was traumatic for you. And yet, the ride really did happen in much the same way that the branch that falls in the deep forest with no one else there does still make a noise. Now look, I know that our long-socked, inwardly-pointing STI lovies will be twitching at the very thought of a dataless bicycle ride. And for those dear listeners, I have this sobering thought. Bosh! Unidentified mega-hack! and your data is gone. And there you are, metaphorically naked and alone, stripped to your very core of the thing that made you who you are. Breathe. My point is, 
I want to take you to a time when the letters K-O-M really meant something, something real. A time when they evoked images of Charlie Gaulle or Richard Veronque, resplendent in polka dots, dancing away to the top of the greatest peaks of our sport. In other words, not a net downhill gravel track in your local park that someone accidentally rode their e-bike down and was horrifically lambasted for, except they couldn't find their password and so couldn't change it, sorry. No, I'm talking about real king and queen of the mountain points in real bicycle races. And not just pro races either. Many domestic races will have king or equally as important queen of the mountain sprint points on hills of significance or at least on hills where they could fit Norman and Doreen in with their clipboards, deck chairs and Austin Allegro. With space for the dog to wander. Now when I was growing up, I had a fascination with the polka dot jersey and watching the Tour de France on Channel 4 like many of us oldies did. In those early days, in the mid-90s, I was always more fascinated in the battle for those mountains points than I was the overall. Always. I think it's something to do with the micro-narrative, you know, the reduced numbers of those focusing on it. And actually, far more than that, it was the unique nature of those mini hill races within a race, where those who were trying to win points were trying to win with the minimum of effort possible. And that is a unique measure of effort and bluff right there, combined. In a way, there's more to the process than the product, with a finely worked KOM effort in any race, certainly more than there is with a nicely crescendoed hilltop finish. The two are quite different. This is about doing as little as possible whilst taking the most. And of course, like so many things in life, it's all relative. And that means that your least needs to still be ever so slightly more than someone else's least, at least. Are you following me? I think I did promise, by the way, at around C or D that I would no longer talk about my own modest racing career on the road. But if you'll indulge me, please, one more time or maybe a couple more times. But I want to use my own failings as an example of what to do and what not to do. As previously mentioned, from about 1995, when I transitioned from thinking that John Tomac was the greatest cyclist that ever lived to realising that, in fact, it might be Claudio Chiappucci or Richard Veronc, I became fascinated with the KOM race within a race. And stupidly, by the time I became an elite category rider and was racing abroad, I still couldn't help myself. Give me a race with a KOM competition within it and I was seeing stars, or more likely, polka dots. I weighed 70 kilos back then at the turn of the century and by some fluke of chance I still weigh 70 kilos now but even then in what I saw as my prime it was foolhardy for me to go for those KOM points so often as I did. But like a midfielder constantly looking up over the heads of my teammates and shooting simply because I could see the goal I could not help myself. It probably didn't help that I actually won my first race in an uphill sprint and I carried this on despite the fact that at least half the field in any race I did could outclimb me, if not more. The one thing I was good at, though, was being the master of opportunity and unsettling the apple cart in the face of perceived stupidity. Enter my first elite level continental race in the foothills of the French Alps near Chambéry back in 2001. Ah, that's 20 years ago. Where on earth does time go? Anyway. There was a KOM point at the foothills of the first ski slopes early on in the race, so I did my usual silly attack from the gun and found a lucky break that stuck. 
about six or seven of us. We hit the midsection of the KOM climb, and I looked around to sense my polka dotty delight that no one was bothered about the points at all. So with my invincible blue Carrera shorts and on and bobbing Festina effervescence, no, not that sort, with those two, I attacked at max watts without even knowing what max watts were. <laughs> and I took the points in a blaze of glory in front of Pierre and Severine, no doubt, and their beautiful 2CV. The break then re-caught me. No, 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 no. No, I allowed them to catch me. Ha! And then the climb continued. And that's when I learned one of my favourite French words. Lâcher. In French cycling parlance, if you're lâcher, you are shelled, dropped, ejected, out the back door. No worries, though. The chase group caught me. Ha! Lâcher. The bunch caught me. Lâcher. And like a heavy ball making its way down the shiny pinball machine, I came to rest in the laughing group. Except they weren't laughing. They never are laughing, are they? We survived the next 85 miles together before rolling in a full 20 minutes or so behind the winner, deflated and jittery hammered too. But then I learned that the two subsequent KOM points had all been won by different people with entirely new top threes each time. So I joint won a KOM prize in what for me was a big race. Of course, this didn't mean I'm the newfound English Richard Verunk. No, that would be ridiculous. No, it meant I was better than that. I was dropping Michael Bogard. I was giving Bjorn Arise the look as I rode him off my wheel on Otakamp. Or so I thought. This in turn, of course, meant even more races where I would lashay myself for the polka dot cause. I even did it in stage races where I'd sniff out that climb that others would be least likely to go for. And yet every time I would pay for it dearly in the grand scheme of things. And in a way, through my frivolous, frivolous endeavours as I desperately scribbled fake checks to pay bills that ultimately my physiological bank just could not cash, I learned along the way what does and more often does not work when genuinely hunting real QOMs or KOMs in bike races. Number one, read the road book. Understand the gradients. Mark up the kilometres of the start and finish of the climbs on your stem. And nowadays, if you can, use VeloViewer to really understand the climb. What an app. Don't ignore also how useful Google Street View can be in seeing what the final run into the KOM point might actually look like. Just accept it though, it will look flat and it won't be. Number two, try not to teleport things once you get on the climb. Make like you're not interested and if necessary, bluff a bit. I actually once won a KOM point by rolling off the front of the bunch with 100 or so metres to go, signalling right as if to drop down the outside of the group while starting to unzip my gilet and then I pressed on. It is sneaky, but we love sneaky, don't we? It will only work once, though, in that company. Don't forget that. Number three, following on from that exact tactic, if you were lucky enough to bag some points or any points, it's worth remembering that after that, there should be less and less people bothering to go for the points as the race gets longer or the stage race, partly because they're thinking of the finish, but also because they're simply no longer in the competition. Sounds obvious, but it's worth remembering that. 
If you are a great climber, unlike me, and you get the timing right, you can get to the point where you're simply allowed to ride off a short distance and take the points because there's no one else contesting it, such as your haul of points. If this rarity does become the case, then in that moment, ignore all my other advice about, and whatever you do, do not take the mickey and start using that bit of leash the peloton has given you to attack them over the top. At some stage, they will revisit that with you and it won't end well. And four, and finally, at some stage, if you are able to and you're strong enough, simply invest yourself in the Polkadot cause. I really do think that the biggest races and riders and teams are largely ignoring the hills competition. And this lack of emphasis has actually trickled down to smaller races and amateur events where increasingly, organizers seem to be omitting adding KOM points altogether where they once did. Come on, together, let's push for a revival of the real KOM. And as always, if you do try going for them, go down fully fighting. More often than not, you'll fail. But always remember that failure in the face of risk is always better than mediocrity. You can catch Jez every Tuesday here on Quicklink Podcast, on Twitter at Jez Cox, that's J-E-Z-C-O-X, on GCN and Eurosport, and on his website, jezcox.com. Links to Jez's details and the two shows I mentioned earlier are in the show notes. Tomorrow, as well as day three at Tour of the Alps, it's back to World Tour action with Flesh Wallone. 193.6 kilometres for the chaps, 130.2 for the women, both tackling the famous Murder Hui. Until tomorrow... Ride safe and take care. Thanks for listening to QuickLink Podcast, your daily microdose of pro cycling news, results, opinion and chat. We'll be back tomorrow with another show, but in the meantime, you can hear all of our previous episodes at quicklinkpod.co.uk and find us across social media at quicklinkpod. If fantasy cycling is your thing, our Velo Games show league code is 57273217. Like and subscribe, rate and review, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye now.